Hello everyone, friends, colleagues, acquaintances, and Prime Minister Handsome Bernie Sanders. Welcome to the 12th ever episode of the Communal Conversation. I'm Yosef Zeldman here with my very special guest, Melissa Lantzman. More on Melissa in a minute. First, we must uh, mention our sponsors as usual on this show. Uh, this week's episode of the Communal Conversation is brought to you by our amazing sponsors over at EV Direct. EV Direct is the home of the Evolute, a smart multi-user electric vehicle charging system for condominiums. Go electric or go dig for oil. This week's episode also sponsored by Custom by Chara. More on that in mid-break. Melissa, I, can I call you Melissa? Absolutely. Okay, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Communal Conversation. Thank you for having me. Of course, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, so the, uh, at this point, why don't, why don't you tell the people who you are, where you've been, what you're doing? Absolutely. So um, first off, I'm like I'm I'm really excited to uh, uh, to be joining this uh, this podcast. And and secondly, I'll tell you a little bit about who I am. I'm uh, I'm Melissa Lanceman, and I'm the conservative uh, nominated candidate here in Thornhill for the next election, whenever that next election uh, <laughs> will be. Around, so right. we're, uh, we're living in, in, in limbo, but I, uh, I'm really excited to, uh, you know, to do things like this, to, uh, to get to know parts of the community that, uh, you know, I didn't grow up in or, uh, or I don't know very well. Uh, and to make sure that this, uh, this riding, our, our little neck of the woods in Thornhill has a strong conservative voice as it has had uh, for more than a decade now. So that's uh, you know that's that's what I'm doing. Uh, a little bit about uh, me. I, I I grew up here uh, in uh, in Thornhill. I've lived here for uh, for most of my life. Uh, I have a history in PR and uh, and politics, and I'm I'm lucky enough to have uh, to have been there uh, in the rise of uh, Stephen Harper. I got to work uh, with him in that government in uh, for about ten years, and uh, now I run a, a public affairs practice uh, in uh, in one of the PR firms in uh, in Toronto. So I've always got to be on the uh, on the in politics or on the periphery of politics, and I think that's given me uh, a good leg up in understanding. What goes on in that weird place in uh, in Ottawa that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to a whole lot of people? Yeah, right. It's it's always the the behind closed doors. What are they actually thinking? Yeah, how saying? do they how do they make this silly decision uh, <laughs> that everybody hates? Why? Yeah, why, yeah, exactly. Why are we putting everything in the hands of these people who constantly are just saying things that we don't agree with? Absolutely. You know? So I think it's important to to get to know the people that uh, you know that are that are charged with making those decisions and to make sure that those decisions reflect sort of the best data uh, and the reality on the ground, because I think there's a there's often a bit of a disconnect, disconnect with the, reality and rhetoric, right? Absolutely. Well, reality yeah. and rhetoric, rhetoric and uh, and people making decisions at uh, at boardroom tables or in the fancy hallways of Ottawa that uh, that are really not good for people. Right. OK, awesome. That's a, definitely a strong platform. Um. So, yeah, I, well, that's. So we, we we spoke briefly a few days ago when yeah. I met you, and um, I, and all of my viewers who are sick of hearing about this know that I, I am a libertarian. I'm someone who is more pro smaller government, empowering local government as opposed to the big overarching powers of federal government. It doesn't matter if it's Canada, U.S., U.K. You know, uh, um, I, I think smaller government is always the best way to go. Um, and it is it is quite unfortunate that people constantly feel. In, in politics that they're voting for what's of two evils. It, it, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, like, like I said, Canadian-American elections, but um, some people feel as if they don't actually have a voice representing them on a larger federal scale. They just sort of have to go with someone that they agree with the most, but they don't. it doesn't necessarily reflect their views. However, there's a difference between large government and local government. For sure. Um, and local government is what you're, you're, you're running to represent, obviously. Uh, well, you're, well, you're running to represent Locally yeah, Thor in in in, uh, in Ottawa, and make sure that uh, some of our our, our views, uh, the community's views, are are wider. You know, Thornhill issues are actually at the forefront of uh, right. the agenda, and I think you need a strong voice who's who's not afraid to uh, to demand to be heard. Uh, <laughs> And, and look, I, I agree with you uh, in, in principle on, uh, you know, less government, less intrusion into uh, into our lives, allowing people to, uh, you know, to do what they want to do, to make, uh, you know, to make ends meet, to uh, uh, to, to frankly to have uh, sort of less restrictions on their movement, on their ability to uh, to 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 worship, on their ability to uh, to feed their families. That's always a you know that's always where I think conservatives come to uh, free enterprise. Right? Absolutely, yeah. uh, and it, it's it's proven to uh, to frankly work. And I think you know I will say this: uh, we've been in a pandemic for 
for for quite some time. And I'm not going to belabor the uh, the the COVID uh, point. I think we've talked enough about. Uh, I think everyone's heard that. Uh, yeah, we've co- we were COVIDed yeah. out. But what it has done is it's allowed. You know, it's starved institutions. It's starved our shuls. It's starved our our, our churches. Our you know our charities that play a big role in people's lives. Right. And it's allowed government to move in and fill that void. And that's a really really dangerous place to be. Because government isn't particularly good at, uh, you know, the things that you would go to shul to get or the things that you would go to church to get or the things that you would get from your uh, from your local charity advocating for, uh, you know, for your patient rights. Not the government's function. Exactly. But a lot of people seem to think it is. Well, we, 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 when we come dependent on something because, you know, our restrictions, uh, the lack of economic activity have starved these organizations, well, they have no, you know, they have no choice. They can't, you know, they, they frankly can't function in the way that they did. And uh, we've, we've really got to get back to it right. um, and have people do the things that they are good at. I, I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, and I, I also I do want to make that clear to the viewers that this is not going to be a COVID cast. No, no, Quite no, sick no. of that. Um, Absolutely. I actually, I made a speech recently for my father's yard site, um, uh, broadcasting to my friends and family, and I, I specifically avoided saying the word COVID. I replaced it with, uh, I said, I'm not even going to say the word. Everyone knows what it is. We all know what we're dealing with. Um, but yeah, so on a, on a, on, on a broader point about, um, about, about government, you're absolutely right. I, I, I think, I don't know. So, I, so someone like you who's running to represent a specific community. I, th- I think is extremely important. I think looking for for empathy and re- reflective, uh, uh, reflective beliefs from someone like you, for someone voting for you, makes a lot of sense. I think something that people are often mischaracterizing is empathy in a general sense in politics. That you know the prime minister up right. there or people in the cabinet are are supposed to know exactly how you feel. You know they know what you want and how you are, and that, that they know your wants and needs. When really that's not true. It's the same with the president of the United States. They like. It, I, so this is a, you can disagree with me on this, which is totally fine. I, I think that when people look for so much empathy in politics and not in their community or friends or family or you know a dog, <laughs> right? Um, I, I I think people often confuse what those leadership roles are actually supposed to be. Do you think I'm, I'm on that? Yeah, look, I think uh, I, I agree with you, and I, I think that you should you know you should always get what you need to get from your community, your family, your dog, whatever whatever it is. And uh, but what you would expect from your politicians is to you know make the best decision with the most moral clarity on being you know on, on what's right and what's wrong and what side of history we're going to end up. And it's you know, frankly, it's I'm uh, I, I'm I was reading the paper today, and I'm looking at yet another government uh, apology and I am not sure that uh, you know I'm not sure that these collective apologies necessarily make our world a better place I, I think we want to see I think we want to see governments uh, you know act on uh, on on wrongs of the the past but uh, there's a lot of platitudes and I think that having somebody there uh, that will bring forward the 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 needs and the ideas of the community is the best that you're gonna get and you know I will give you give you this the way to make sort of that that big government seem more local and I don't think we do this enough and I uh, when there is a tough decision and the community is divided on it I don't think it's uh it's a bad thing to use the referendum model and you know we have we have the ability to do that as uh, as politicians to ask the community where they stand, and you would vote the conscience of of, uh, of the community. Do you want to contextualize that a little more? For well, yeah. So you know, let's say we're you know, let's say there's a really really um, important piece of legislation in front of the House of Commons, and uh, I know I know how I feel about it. I, I generally know which side I, I I fall on, and if that happens to be offside with the majority of my constituents, I would want to get an understanding um, from everybody that you represent present on where they stand and I think the 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 vocal you know proponents or opponents of uh, of such said piece of legislation would make it known uh, and you represent them and I think that that's important uh, it's important to vote that's not that I'm gonna say that I'm not gonna push forward uh, my view and uh, and make it known but I, I do think that there is the ability for for people to get more involved in politics more involved in the big decisions that this country has to make because there's a lot at stake uh, for the future. And uh, that's that's what I've been talking about, certainly in uh, in in my campaigning is we've got to think not four months or four weeks or four years down the road. We got to think about what this country is in 40 years. Uh, And nobody talks about that. Yeah, that's that's a very, very good point. Uh, I I must confess to you, actually, um, that uh, my my plan is. I hope to God this changes. Uh, my plan is not to stay in Canada long term. I do plan on leaving this country back to the United States in a couple of years because I, 
what what you see as a hope for the future, I I, I don't see, unfortunately. Right? Well, I'm not not that you don't make me hopeful for the future, but my vision of Canada compared to America's is definitely. I don't know. My plan is to move to Florida, right? Where where if we sold this house here in Thornhill, we could buy three mansions in Florida, right? And, and you look, yeah. you raise a, you raise an important point, and I wish that I wasn't upset about that because I think yeah. when the country loses people like you, loses you. people that are involved in their community, having these conversations um, out in the open, I think you know this is the worst of the brain drain right here. It's happening right here yeah. in this you know uh, in this conversation, and uh, you're absolutely right. I think home ownership is a a sort of a distant thing that uh, that that young people today, you can't have the life uh, that your parents gave you in Thornhill. Uh, no. It's really, really difficult. You can't buy a house and, uh, in, in the place where uh, where you grew up. Uh, and there are there are lots of reasons for that. And I think many of those reasons have uh, have to do with the fact that the federal government just hasn't been charged with this issue. There's been a lot of inaction in it. We haven't built um, the housing and we haven't built a place where people want to stay. We've got right. over-regulation. I was going to um, say, it, also, it carries through in currency and taxes, right? Like that's yeah, that's another look, element for wanting to- Absolutely. And it's, uh, I've got a lot of, you know, in I'm, I'm, I'm fairly young for a politician. I'm not, uh, I'm not particularly young, but I'm, I'm 37 years old, which is young for a conservative politician. And right. I think that generally people don't talk about the next jobs. I want my kids to have a job that doesn't even exist yet. And I want this country to uh, to be able to give that opportunity. Uh, you know, I, it's fine if they're doctors and they're lawyers uh, or they're rabbinical students. That's fine, too. Um, but I want this country to be a country where we don't even know our potential yet because we are so far away from reaching it. And it's things like taxes and it's things like regulations and it's things like attracting business and building critical infrastructure where people like you have to look look at the states and like, no way, I'm staying in Canada. This is the place where I want to grow, I want to live, I want to play, and I want to raise my family. That's, uh, that's, listen, that's what I hope for, right? Like that, and, and, and hopefully- with Let's your, see if we can convince you by the end of this okay, podcast. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, my tickets aren't set yet. So, you know, there's, okay. there's, there's, there's plenty hope. of time. But um, uh, yeah, I I don't know, that's, I, I, I figured I'd mention it because that is, that is something that I talk about a lot with my family and friends that even though I love the people in Canada, I really do. This community is incredible. It's given me everything I need. I have an incredible high school I went to, my York University, I really, really like as, as an institution. Um, but just in terms of, you're right, like, like uh, do, would I want to raise my kids, have my kids play and, and grow in a place, I don't want to say like this, because that sounds vaguely ominous, but in, in a place where I'm not so sure if I can support myself through income right. uh, or even get a proper house, whatever it might be. No, right? Like that's so that that's the calculation for me in my head. You know um, what? We we celebrate. I don't hear anybody saying like Canada is the best country in the world. And I'm I'm a kid yeah. of immigrants. Uh, I'm a kid of of uh, Russian immigrants that ran away. They were Ukrainian uh, Jews, and the Ukrainians wouldn't call them Ukrainians. Uh, they they called them uh, Jews, and they came here for a better life. And they gave us a, a better life. They gave us the leg up. We were educated in the in the best schools, in the best institutions, and we got to do whatever we wanted. Yeah. And I want that to be the case today. And I want people to say that this is the best country in the world. And we don't strive for, you know, mediocre middle place. Because right. that's that's sort of what it feels like right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I'm also a descendant of immigrants. Um, my, my grandfather on my dad's side escaped Warsaw at the, at the beginning of the Holocaust, had to basically walk across three countries to get to a ferry to America and go into Canada. Um, it's a very, very interesting story. Um, so I, I, I also, I do understand the sort of, I know usually it's American dream, but the Canadian dream. I do, like, I do understand what it's given to so many people. I just hope that that's something that can be fulfilled and honestly corrected for the future from what it is right now. You yeah, know? we've got to start somewhere. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. So that's, uh, well, well that's, uh, that's what we're here for. Um, okay. So to, now, now that I've gotten my, my American patriotism out, yeah, of, the out of the way, for a second, uh, which for the record is waning nowadays in, in the current political climate, uh, you know, as as proud as I am to be an American, sometimes you look over the border and you're like, mm. sure. Sometimes the grass is greener on the other side, but we don't yeah. know, you know, we don't know what we have here. Uh, and I, I think we, we haven't even tapped into the beginning of our, of our potential in this, uh, in this country. So I'm really excited about, uh, the future and, uh, and not so, uh, uh, you know, not so angry about, uh, the last 14 months in, uh, in this country. I think I see a, a huge window of opportunity where, where, where Canada can punch above its weight again. That's awesome. That's making me feel more optimistic, honestly, because <laughs> usually, and it's also, it's a, it's a credit to the people I hang out with that are usually sort of with me, like, oh yeah, Canada sucks. This is the worst. Go to Florida. You're one of the people actually shifting um, away. We're bringing huh. you back. 
Give me a lot to think about. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, speaking of Canada, um, something uh, something I wanted to just bring up that you mentioned in terms of jobs of the future. Um, I th something that I saw on your campaign platform, which I really appreciate, is you mentioned that jobs by numbers does not <laughs> does not actual mean actually mean meaningful job growth, right? Um, and I think uh, as in what well, you. you you, you feel free to. Yeah, look, we, we wait every, you know, every few Fridays we get these Canada job numbers and it's like thousands up, thousands down. And we talked about this at the beginning of this conversation where you're you're a libertarian. Now, many of those jobs are tied to seasonal jobs or the growth of government. Those aren't right. the kinds of jobs that we need. We need to talk about, um, you know, the, the, the types of jobs that we're going to have uh, in, in the future, because it's, uh, you know, if government gets bigger, those are, you know, those are fully government jobs. If uh, if if we actually have seasons in this country, which tend to have uh, uh, as of late, uh, then those are seasonal jobs. But we, we've got to talk about sort of meaningful careers where entrepreneurs can grow uh, their footprint here, that they don't have to look to Europe and they don't have to look to Australia to, right. uh, to different markets. And our corporate tax rates are, are, are competitive with our neighbors. So people that actually want to set up shop here. Um, that's that's the thing that we you know that we're not talking about. We're never talking about good jobs. We're just talking about jobs, jobs. as this this buzzword. Everyone, yeah, it's everyone says, uh, it's the right? same way. We it's uh, it's a way to quantify um, something without uh, without quality, and uh, that's a dangerous uh, that's a dangerous place to be in uh, in politics because there's there's not a whole lot of room for conversations like this. And if we're you know if we're always just throwing numbers around, um, we don't know what they mean anymore. That's a very that's a very good point. I don't people I don't think people often think of that even on a conservative side when you see jobs up it's oh jobs up great we can Yeah, we want to see we want to see job creators. We yeah. want to see, you know, people start businesses here uh, in the private sector where the, you know, where the public sector doesn't sort of quash them because of uh, uh, you know because all of the favor that they're, you know, that they're getting from uh, from the government. We want to see hardworking people um, be able to make, uh, you know, be able to feed their families, be able to grow, uh, you know, grow the economy in a way um, that, that that makes sense. So, sort of like we did in uh, in 2008 after the, the last economic recession. We, you know, we're a country that uh, that went into the recession last and we came out first uh, right. and we created a whole bunch of new infrastructure and put people to work. Uh, and it was like a blip in the uh, in the radar. And I, I don't think that that's the case after the year that we've had. We're in for um, a really, really tough, you know, next twelve months. Hundred percent, right? We, we yeah. you can't uh, you can't spend money you don't have on things that you don't need. Uh, and, and if only and, any politician knew that you can't just print infinite money more than God. Well, I think seen. we're going to find out the uh, the hard way because I think you're seeing you're seeing commodity prices and you're seeing uh, the pressures of uh, of inflation uh, rise. And that's every you know every time that happens, every dollar in your pocket is worth less than it was worth exactly. yesterday. And, and that's a, that's dangerous. Even, right, hundred percent. People are even pulling out of normal currencies for cryptocurrencies because they realize that government is inflating all the real currency sure. and it becomes less valuable. Um, and we're paying for things like uh, social infrastructure with uh, with debt. We've never done that before. Um, we, we've we paid for things. We've paid for bridges. We've paid for, you know, water filtration plants and floodplains and, and things that, you know, are are real that you can touch that put right. people to work. Roads and bridges. Right. Exactly. Line, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and now we're paying for, you know, we're, we're, we're paying for social programs um, with debt. And that's a bit of a trap. Yeah. Um, yeah. not, you know, not to mention that some of these promises are, are not going to come to, to fruition. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think about things like, uh, like government, uh, daycare, and I know that it's important to bring people back into the workforce and provide people with, uh, with options, but I, I don't think that everybody wants that one size fits all solution. And no. I certainly don't think that everybody wants to, to spend the, uh, you know, the $8 billion that it's going to cost here. <laughs> Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, no. Um, and and when the, the taxpayers are the ones footing the bill, and it's it's one thing if you have me. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't like to use these countries as an example very often, but people in Norway and Sweden who pay most of their money in taxes, right? right sometimes over half their income, uh, tend to be very happy and satisfied with the programs the government gives. Right now, I that's not a country I would move to. I'm very happy. It works for a lot of people, but personally, I would rather have more capital to do do it do what I wish with. I mean, you could see the basement, so. Um, sure. uh, but uh, I, I think that's that's an output of people actually being satisfied in the care their government is giving them. This country is definitely very different. We do pay a lot for social programs, for healthcare, for for all of these government things that don't necessarily give us what we actually need from them. And then people in general are 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 
disincentivized from paying it, from paying into government programs at all, from saying, where are my tax dollars actually going, right? Absolutely. Look, if we're going to be celebrating our differences in this country, and we should, because we are a number of different communities that bring so much uh, to the social fabric of this uh, country, then we can't expect a one-size-fits-all uh, yeah. solution when you're trying to celebrate uh uh, difference. So, you know, on 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 that note, I I think look, I I think that government provides um, you know people who who need it most with that uh, with that foot up. Um, but at some point, we're going to have to mine the dollars and cents uh, because like you and, and, and others in your friend group that uh, that want to look to the to south to uh, to make their their home. Like we need a we need a, a, an effective tax base to to pay for all of the things that we uh, that we say that we we need. Right. Um, and one one brief point on this. Uh, you mentioned uh, quantity over quality in terms of jobs. Yeah. I think that's that's another misconception in Canada with quantity over quality. Uh, for example, with universities. Now, I think the fact that education, university education, is way cheaper in Canada than other countries is great, um, and I, I'm I'm very happy that people are able to go to university at higher rates. However. People, people always refer to us as, oh, we're, we're the country with the most degrees uh, per, per capita in the world. Uh, and people don't necessarily realize what those degrees are in and if they actually lead to meaningful contribution, right? I, I, I don't want to knock yeah. anyone for whatever they want to pursue educationally, sure. but something, I don't know, I, I think it's, 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 a, uh, it's, a, it's a factor in the job market when you have people who are going into degrees that don't necessarily uh, that, that where, where a job market doesn't necessarily fulfill what they're going for, right? Where you have a lot yeah, of people, look, yeah. Yeah, look, I think, you know, from a, from a university, and this is this is far more a, a provincial uh, uh, matter, but I do have thoughts about it. And yeah. I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the university sector, I think it needs to pay a bit more attention to sort of the, the job market at hand. Not to say yeah. that, you know, political science or humanities degrees are not important. I think it's important to have a well-rounded uh, society. But there's also, you know, there's also things that the, that the here in Ontario that the provincial government is doing in terms of getting people into the trades, uh, upskilling, um, dropping some of that stigma around, you know, you absolutely need a four-year degree and then a three-year grad school and then an internship or a, an articling right. or, a, or a residency. Um, you know, you can make a good living um, you know, doing the things like bricklaying and, and plumbing and, and things that we're going to need to build that infrastructure. Right. It's, it's not, not for it's everybody. It's not talked about a lot. Is it isn't. And yeah. it's certainly not talked about with, uh, you know, with women. And there's more and more women going into the trades and less uh, stigma. But that's going to take a, that's going to take a generation. And I think there's also something to be said. Look, my my, my parents came here and uh, my mom went to uh, university, but uh, she went to university because my dad drove a cab. Um, my dad is a skilled um, and, and very smart engineer that wasn't credentialed here back, you know, back in the 70s when uh, when they came. And that's still the story of today. Um, so we've got to we've got to think about how to, you know, how to how to how to how to have immigrants work at their full scope of practice and make sure that uh, that we're upskilling in, in people that didn't have the opportunity to go to school when you were supposed to, quote unquote, go to school um, and maybe upskill in six or eight or, or one year programs where it doesn't, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't affect their uh, their their ability to make a livelihood. Because for a lot of people, it's it's not a choice. Uh, you've got to you've got to work to uh, to feed your family and you might not always do uh, the things that uh, that you can be doing. Right. And, and and there is a I don't know I, I feel like there we should we should we should encourage that there that, that there can be a difference between necessarily um, you can always do what you love mm -hmm. no question uh, like I'm always going to be building Lego no matter no matter what country or what place I'm in hopefully this country um, God willing but I, I can't have Lego be my career because that's not a career right it's my hobby psychology is my career. And I'm very careful to make psychology not my hobby because then I'm just <laughs> going to hate everything, right? Um, but I think I think we 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 can encourage among people that that having creativity is good. Yep. Uh, having hobbies is really really good. I'm a big proponent of that. So many people during this, you know, pandemic uh, uh, have have uh, you know asked me like, oh, what what do I do? My hobbies are watching Netflix and, and sitting there on a television, <laughs> which is not a hobby. Uh, people people who have hobbies related to screens and nothing outside of that. Right. Like, I I think creativity. And like you said, humanities, this, all this stuff it should be very well encouraged. But at the same time, we, we, we should be pushing uh, some, some measure of stability. Uh, sure. as, as in, like, there are very good, credible paying jobs that even if they don't seem like the most glorious thing in the world, 
are actually very meaningful and, and, and very yeah helpful. and sometimes people don't know about sort of the, what the job market needs right. um, and and some of the the labor market statistics are just some some piece of paper that uh, that come out of uh, you know out of a of ministry in Ottawa and, and sort of the yeah. society is not really reflective of that but you know we need more doctors we need no, more nurses right. um, you know we need more people in those professions we need to credential uh, you know people who have a, a perfectly uh, good education uh, abroad to be able to uh, to help us. This, it's going to be a long time before you can sit here as a Canadian and say we have the best healthcare system in the world because I'm not sure that that's, uh, that's the case, but we can get there. I'm really glad you brought that up <laughs> because um, it is something I was planning on addressing. I don't want to get too deep into it because healthcare could be an hours, hours long conversation, but I do agree. I think I think Canada's healthcare system uh, could use major improvements. I, I, I personally, I'm, I'm not someone who fully believes in the sort of um, uh, what's the word? Well, we don't live in a two-tier system. We live in a there's a it's an individual, not individual mandate. That's we live US. in a single payer. Single, thank you. Single yeah. payer. <laughs> Great. That's that's where we are. Um, I'm not someone who fully believes in that sort of system. I actually do think private insurance is a good thing. I I, I, I think if you have uh, government healthcare and private insurance existing side by side, constantly competing for lower prices, you get you get better medical care for the consumers. This is the system in Australia, in Israel, in in Denmark, in Norway. Um, but the fact that, I mean, people are constantly all the time here when they want to get a CAT scan or an MRI, right. they get put on a two month waiting list. They just go across the border and pay and then come back to right? Yeah. This, look, this isn't a question about, uh, spending in the healthcare system because we spend lots, yeah. even, even in, even in the province of Ontario, we spend about $65 billion a year. That's more than a billion dollars a week on, wow. uh, on healthcare. So it's not a question about money. It's a question about efficiency. Are we, you know, are we doing as much as we can be doing outside of a hospital setting? Are, is everybody right. working to the full scope of their abilities? You know, why you, pharmacists can give you a, a, a flu shot, but why can't they give you a, a strep throat test? Things right. like, things like that. Again, we're waiting into provincial issues, but I think the, the tremendous amount of bureaucracy that we've created here in the right. healthcare system um, is the is the stopgap because it's certainly not the cash. There is there is a ton of cash and I think we need to figure out how to use that better. It shouldn't take, you know, ten years and a billion dollars to build one hospital. Where where does all that money go? I mean I mean you said sixty five billion a year. That's correct? right. That's You'd think we have, uh, you know, like this it. might be a this this might be a, a, a comment that uh, some listeners would uh, get their backup, but you know, at, at that much at that much money and, and that much care into uh, healthcare, you'd think the population would be vaccinated by now. But it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, well, we could go there. Yeah. But um, uh, okay, I just I have to we must address our mid-break sponsor. This is a podcast which does things like other podcasts, trying to replicate formulas here. Uh, so in addition to EV Direct, this week's episode of The Premium Conversation is sponsored by our good friends over at Custom by Shara. Looking for a gift to give your friend, family, or significant other? Want something unique and personalized for any occasion? Custom by Shara delivers custom, complex, hand-drawn portraits of anyone and everyone at affordable costs. Check out at Custom by Shara on Instagram to place your order and tell them we sent you. Once again, check out at Custom by Shara on Instagram to order your custom portrait today very much to our sponsors okay um so let's let's talk a little about what it's actually like being a conservative nominated politician because i imagine in i would say in the thornhill community it's probably you have a lot of people who are who are who are similar mindset to you that are, are happy yeah, to see sure. you campaigning around but then there is the other side of the, I, I find this this the word conservative in like any political setting has now become this buzzword of like oh conservative you mean terrible and awful and evil and racist <laughs> I, I it's not something I, I can entirely wrap my head around to be honest but I don't know if you've experienced any of that sort yeah of look I, I I think that there's always there's always going to be opponents it's the it's the sign of a of a of a healthy democracy but uh, right. look the, the partisanship. you know as 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 the world changes and the world is is uh, is changing at an incredible pace so do politicians and I think that there's lots of people. People that see themselves in the mirror and and and, and see a conservative uh, in the mirror and feel, uh, you know, f feel a bit uncomfortable about saying so and feeling a bit uncomfortable about having the conversations that they have at their dinner tables or or sort of with their friends aloud because of the fear of uh, you know being canceled or uh, being censored. Uh, 
and we've got to get to a point where we can have, you know, where we can really question uh, the government. There's a lot of anger with the uh, with the Liberal government and in, in how we've lived our lives over the last uh, uh, little while, and that anger is very palpable uh, right here and, and, and across the country. Uh, and I think that the it's almost like the anti-politician politician is going to do pretty well uh, right now. So if you've right. got somebody that is willing to stand up, uh, willing to be on the right side of history, willing to you know demand to be heard and not just sort of follow the pack. I'm you know I I look a little bit different than a than a conservative politician. I sound a little bit different than a conservative uh, politician because I am a little bit different than a conservative politician. And I'm not worried about uh, you know I'm not worried about getting in line or or fitting in because I never have. Right. And so that's, you know, I think there's something there's something attractive about uh, about a politician who is who is willing to just stand up and, and say it the way that it is and ask some real tough questions about why. Why are we doing what we're doing and why does it make no sense? It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good way to put it. No, I, I, I agree. I think the break from formulas is, is, is a very good thing. I, I just I mean, you, you talk about uh, I, I go to New York University. I'm sometimes a little afraid of, of saying my own viewpoints personally. I mean. I'm, I'm someone who is more conservative in their views or libertarian, but I, I, I'm never forceful about my opinions. I have friends on every corner of the political spectrum, yeah, and I, sure. I, I love that because I get to hear every side of an issue, and, and I think that's very important. The, the problem is not everyone feels that way. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of people who feel that they, if, if you don't agree with them on their representation of an issue, then you're doing something wrong, you're committing some offense, you're... Yeah, and part you know, of that is that these conversations, podcasts like yours, uh, you know, sitting down with somebody for an hour, that just doesn't exist in today's world. It's, no. uh, you know, it's it's 240 characters on, on Twitter <laughs> where there's, you know, ad hominem attacks, well, but nobody, yeah, yeah, like nobody really talks about, you know, what's, what's at the core of this policy? Uh, why are we, you know, why are we cheerleading uh, around it if it doesn't Makes sense, and uh, you know why aren't we doing things in a, in a little bit of a, a different way? And that that speaks to everything. It speaks to how we plan our transit, to you know the housing prices, to our uh, our positions on issues of uh, of foreign affairs. There is no conversation anymore, and I think the more conversation there is, and the more you know, the more people hear things like like your podcast, uh, the more informed they'll be. And I think that that's uh, that's part of it. Uh, People shun away from uh, from politics because they, you know, everybody. They're all the same. All those politicians. They're not in it for me. Um, you know, spend the time. Um, you know, get to know the people that are that are that are running. Um, have a you know have a direct uh, conversation because I think more more often than not, people are willing to uh, to do that and uh, and try to understand why we're doing what we're doing and again why it doesn't make sense. Hundred percent. I actually actually to to uh, to be. Perfectly optimistic. Um, I, I I do agree that when you sit down and talk to people, as opposed to social media, has just created the worst political climate possible sure. because you don't, you never actually get to know a person through a screen. You just can't. That's why I, I, you know, even if I see something in an Instagram comment that that I completely disagree with on every level, I, I don't even bother right. because you, you can't convince someone over over little words on a on a keyboard. And nor is it everyone's position to do that, right? A lot of people feel the agency to do that. That's totally fine. I'm not one of those people. I pick my battles, right? Um, but uh, in my in the year of York University that I got, right? So I I, I go from honestly uh, to be completely frank, I went to Yeshiva or Yeshiva is a loose term, uh, or Chaim um, mm-hmm. uh, down in uh, down south. Um, so I went to 120 all boys school all my life right, right. um that's so i'm also also an all boys school um relative to the same demographic bunch of orthodox jews so going from that to an extremely diverse multicultural of tens of thousands of students of all different places cultures religions creeds um was definitely a, a change right uh it was a change i was very welcome to it but it was a change nonetheless um and i found that being being an Orthodox Jew, like I walk around with a keypad and seat seat all around campus every day, and just talking about what you believe in in a genuine sense, usually people are very receptive to that. Even if they might disagree with you on things, if you're just someone who's nice and explains things on a human level and doesn't force their opinions on someone else, that leads to the to, to the best conversations, I think. And, yeah. and I honestly, somewhere in me, and you can disagree with me on this, I feel like most people in society are center right somewhere in there. I think most people agree on most things in a moral sense. It's just these, uh, I don't know, these, these platitudes people throw around people can disagree on or the specifics of things people disagree on, the semantics, right? But I think 
I think in general, most people are sort of on the same page and that we all want what's best for society. We just have different ways of, of achieving it. I, I, look, I absolutely agree. I think that, uh, that most people want to live in the world, uh, in their, in their worldview that, uh, sort of is, is, is good to them. And I think the fringes are, uh, are, are the most vocal. And what we've seen is that the fringes, um, of, uh, you know, either far, far left, um, you know, wing, um, folks that you probably would see more of at uh, a place like York University. I think uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hold my comments back on what do I think about the student uh, body and, oh, and where I, things are I going. As well, yes, as, I will hold back many comments. As well as, you know, sort of the fringes of the, of, the, of the far right. I think you're right that most people are in the middle, but they fear being canceled by those uh, uh, by those fringes, and you don't want to have the very real conversations that we need to have. And uh, um, you know, I I think that's that's clearly evident when when celebrities are are just are getting on one side of uh, of an issue without even necessarily questioning what uh, uh, you know what the other side has to say. And with right. lots of followers and and things like Instagram uh, and uh, and Facebook, it's very easy to uh, to take your own facts, run with them, and convince a whole lot of people that you're right. And that's dangerous. Yeah, uh, and Twitter, I think, is probably the worst of that. I honestly think if Twitter never existed, we'd have a lot healthier of a social climate. I mean, maybe something would have taken its place. I don't know. Yeah, Twitter is not real. That's the, that's the good thing. So you you can get on Twitter uh, over. Uh, I got on Twitter over the the, the weekend, and uh, I've I've made myself a promise not to uh, not to you know sort of read the comments or, or or get down. And I think Twitter is a sort of a send only rather than a receive because nothing good happens on on Twitter. But it really <laughs> is. It really is. It's not regular. Quote, like regular people. It's not your neighbors. Uh, you know, it's not the it's not the people that you necessarily go to school with. It's uh, it's a bunch of activists, uh, journalists, politicians, all talking in an echo chamber of like a tire fire. Like it's really garbage. That's a really you know that's a really good point actually. And I was I was thinking about that that um that people look at Twitter. Oh, how are people feeling? Most people don't go and say their thoughts publicly. Yeah, they think them sure. internally. They say them to their friends and family. So getting a public opinion from Twitter. It's not really a public opinion. No, it's, right? a, it's a group of it's a group of nameless, faceless uh, activists where people say things on there um, that they would never say to another human being in uh, in real life because uh, you know I like you I believe that people are inherently good. Yeah, right. Oh, trust me, I've had those discussions with multiple of my friends thinking that if people are inherently good or not, and be, be training in uh, I mean I mean sorry, being a psychology major, definitely a lot of questions like that. But I do agree. I, I do think that most people have a tendency to not be insulting and, and mean right. and derogatory. Um, but something like social media just gives everyone the platform to do it. And absolute, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? For if sure. you have the absolute power to say whatever the hell you want, even if it's not fully representative, you, we're just gonna say it. I think most people, I think most people um, sort of shy away from any kind of uh, conflict when it happens sort of between right. two people. I, I think you would rather avoid, there's a, there's a lot of avoidance. I don't think there's people that just run, I mean, there's some <laughs> that run right into conflict and, and want to start it. But for the most part, you kind of just, you know, when you see conflict, you cross the street and you walk, you walk yeah. down the other side of the, uh, other side of the street. On Twitter or on uh, some of these platforms, it's the exact opposite. It's people <laughs> like who get up in the morning and are looking for a fight, yeah, uh, and that's just not reflective. They're running directly into the burning building. Totally, there's no one left to say. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's so fun. Uh, but yeah, and, and I, I always, I've tried to talk this about. I mean, this is called the communal conversation. Actually, when I first made this podcast, it almost autocorrected to the communist conversation, which would have been a whole different medium. I would have maybe said no to this. Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah I wouldn't blame you. Um, I would have said no too. Uh, but um, no, the, the reason this is the communal conversation is because I always try to stress to, to, to my viewers, who who are mostly my, my peers, my colleagues, friends, and family, that talking to people you disagree with is actually really healthy, really, really healthy. I think, um, and not disagree with in a, in a moral sense. You know, not someone that you know wants to like. Like, I'm not saying you go talk to serial killers who have a right. completely different view on life, but someone who. On, on semantics or on politics disagrees with your worldview, you actually learn a lot from people who disagree with you. Because like like you said, in terms of this echo chamber effect, if I only have people that believe, uh, if I only have friends that believe sure. what I believe, all I'm gonna hear is what I believe. And I wanna be challenged on what I believe. I like being challenged. Yeah. I like knowing what else is out there, you know? But I, I think I think that's getting a little lost, whether it's in the, the, the bowels of Twitter or even the halls of parliament, right? right. This, this, this idea that at the end of the day, we're all human. Even if we disagree on certain things, we all want what's best. 
why do you think that's being so disconnected from politics in general? So I think part of it is the the, the lack of conversation. Back in the day, you know, I've, I've heard it, I've never experienced it, but there was, uh, there were, you know, working groups of multi, you know, cross-party uh, collaboration on, on some of the, the, the big the big questions are around uh, Canada and you had people sort of rowing the boat in the same direction and it's become really partisan. Um, and look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to shy away. Like, I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm part of that. Uh, we, we all have elections to, uh, to win, but we've got, you know, I think we've got a governing party today that, uh, uh, that's raised itself on a pedestal of, uh, of platitudes and has fallen at every single test. So, you know, it sounds good and it feels good, but it's not true. And, and with that, you know, they cancel anybody who doesn't agree with them. Uh, and and makes them fearful of sharing their uh, uh, their you know their view on it. Uh, you know, I just just in this past uh, in this past week. Do you know what it was like to standing up for uh, uh, for Israel and uh, a democratic uh, you know democratic nation being being targeted by a, a terrorist organizations throwing ro- indiscriminate rocket fires into civilians? Like that was a cancelled opinion. Right. That was the opinion of a, of a minority. And and uh, there's more and more people that shy away from uh, from saying things like that because of the fear of either not getting elected or you know or being being silenced or being censored, uh, and we need more people who are unafraid to have those conversations. Hundred percent. I I'm obviously familiar with you. Also a staunch supporter of Israel. I, I went to the, the car parade that happened two weeks ago. Oh, there was tons of people there. That was two weeks, yeah, right? Yeah, it was a couple weeks ago. Right. I uh, I'm losing. We're all losing track of what day is what. For sure. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was fun. It was great. To I, I actually attached the big Israeli flag to my blue lightsaber over there and waved it around. Nice. It was really fun. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's true though. Uh, I, I but also I, I actually do just we don't we don't need to get into Middle Eastern politics fully For sure. because obviously that's something that most people are aware of and if not not necessarily relevant to this country fully. Um, although relevant to anyone in the Jewish community. Uh, but uh, Israel is another one of those issues that I think most people do agree on. That I think I think most people think that Israel is a democracy that maybe doesn't make always make the right decisions, which is fine. No country always makes the right decisions. And you're allowed to criticize Israeli policy. I've done it before, right? Um, but in, in general, that Israel is a country that is important and should exist and is fighting a group of terrorists that want sure. to see it tear down, right? I, I think that's something that people agree with, but it's such a contentious issue that no one wants to talk about it. Well, it's a contentious issue. And what happens is when you don't have somebody at the helm with the moral clarity to call it the way that it is, is that it breeds things like um, an allowance um, for, for for people to you know assault Jews in the street. Um, and when you're silent on something, it, it inevitably means that you condone the other thing. So the you know if you had a government that squarely said uh, this is not acceptable. This is where we are. Um, you know, this is a, this is there's no moral equivalency between a we, between a, a democratic nation who is defending itself and a terrorist organization that seeks to uh, destroy it. Then you would send a message to the population that that doesn't belong in our streets. And I think we didn't get that, and we no. haven't gotten that from politicians. And no. as a result, I think you've seen a rise in anti-Semitism over the last two weeks of at, at a pace that I've never seen before and I've never felt before. I think our friends in Europe have felt that. Yeah, but right. that never came here, and uh, I think people are afraid, and they they need to they need to see that from their government. They need to they need to see the statements because the statements inevitably say to the other side, "You can't do this here. It's not welcome." I actually I I, I agree, and uh, I was surprised that over the weekend, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris actually did come out yeah. and say there is no more equivalency between sure. the, the state of Israel and Hamas, and that the Jews the attacks on the Jews. But in the street wh- are, but you you saw that because you saw it you know it was a week and a half late. There was attacks in California. There was attacks right. in the streets of New York at a bagel shop. Yeah. Um, you know, did they say it because things were getting out of control or did they say it because they mean it? And yeah, I think yeah. coming out of the gate first is uh, uh, it's important and it's important. Look, I think that this is the difference between the right side of history and the wrong side of history. Right. And I always want to be on the right side. I don't blame you. Um yeah. So, uh, okay. On a bit of a lighter note, yeah. I want to ask you a, a, a question uh, just in general. So I'm a big movie fan. I like movies a lot. Um, I wanted to go into film as a career initially. Then I realized psychology is a little more stable. Um, <laughs> but uh, although I will say Canada's propensity for film production is growing at a very rapid rate. A lot of uh, sure. places are coming to film in Toronto, Vancouver, Absolutely. even Hamilton. Um, sorry, not even Hamilton. <laughs> no slam sorry, on Hamilton. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry for my, my Hamiltonians. Um, <laughs> Uh, my actually, it's really funny. My friends have 
always had this joke through high school that Hamilton's like the Gotham city of Canada, <laughs> like the, the rainy, gross, smoggy, but if you actually go there. It's really beautiful. It's kind of, you know? it's it's, nice and you can afford a house there. So. Yeah. <laughs> so there's more and more people going there. I mean, you can probably afford a house in Gotham too. I mean, I got to know when actually wants to live there. So real estate must be really cheap. Maybe. Um, uh, regardless, I was going to ask you, are there any films that you, you particularly like or, or maybe you a know, favorite I, film? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm not, I'm, I, my knowledge of pop culture is like astonishingly, um, low. Uh, and, uh, and I've gotten into, I've gotten into sort of the pandemic watching, um, oh, okay. as a, as, as an excuse to disconnect from, from the reality that's, uh, you know, that is the never ending, uh, lockdown. But, uh, right. I've watched things like the Queen's Gambit, oh. uh, on, uh, on Netflix. I've watched, uh, I've watched, you know, hours and hours of TV that I feel like have made my brain mush like the Tiger King. And <laughs> I feel for the first time I'm able to engage in a conversation of like what, you know, what normal people watch on TV. I'm a big sports fan and a news junkie. So uh, I call it like, I really like things that are t on TV that are, that are live. So I'm a huge baseball fan. Uh, and, uh, and I watch, uh, you know, every, every hour of every day, there's news on in, uh, in every room in, uh, in my house. So that's, uh, that's how, that's kind of how I live, which is a strange way to live, but I've, I've made it a point to, uh, to get more, uh, to get more of that pop culture in uh, when I have the time during uh, this pandemic. You I don't know what my favorite movie is. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's kind of embarrassing, but it's called Cool Runnings. Um, I've seen cool running. Yeah, so so depending on uh, depending on how old you are, but I think it's just like an amazing story, and it makes me laugh every time. And it's the story of the uh, Jamaican bobsled team yep. that uh, that went to the Olympics in uh, in Canadian Calgary. Movie. It is a it is a very Canadian movie, and it's uh it's a it's a movie that anytime that it's on any of these uh you know these these channels that you uh, that you wonder why you're paying for, um, <laughs> I, uh, I I I I always sit and watch it no matter you know where I'm going or how late I am for something. Yeah, hear that, Rogers? <laughs> Run, uh, Run cool running more. Um, no, that's a great film. I, I, What's your favorite film? My favorite film of all time is a film not a lot of people know about. Um, it's it's a film called Children of Men, um, and it's a uh, post-apocalyptic movie set in twenty. So it was filmed in two thousand and six. It's set in twenty twenty four. Um, as in the film Command of Ethan Six, it's set in 2024 in London, where every single country around the world is completely collapsed into chaos, and, and England is the only country that still exists. You could tell which country <laughs> produced the film. Um, and there hasn't been a baby born in 18 years. The entire population has been sterile for 18 years. Um, and uh, so the oldest, the youngest person in the population is 18 and a half years old, right? Um, and then miraculously, a baby is born. And a lot of things happen. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. All right. Um, well, I hope the world doesn't descend into chaos and I can come back for another podcast and I will watch that movie and we'll talk about it. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, I hope we don't have, uh, end up in England either. Uh, as much as, as much as I love good old Britain, like I said, we want to empower here, right? Exactly. Now, see what you've done to me now. <laughs> now we're getting you to think twice about, uh, my American patriotism. picking up your tent and moving to, uh, to Florida. My, my Lego tents. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I don't know. F film has definitely been a big part of my life for a very long time so I, I always like to ask those sort of questions um and i think what we gravitate towards pop culture really does represent us in some sense um i think the fact that i like children of men so much because ultimately children of men is a very 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 pro-life movie <laughs> it's a very very uh pro you know having children the importance of children what society is like without having the innocence of a child um uh i mean it's the same with I mean, everyone has, has, has seen the set of this podcast before. The, all this, this entire basement is decorated with, uh, with pop culture icons in every facet and every corner. Um, because a lot of these, you know, superheroes or, or, or characters, I, I do think represent me in some sense in this in their inherent nature to, to fulfill good, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, look, uh, you know, sitting around and, 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 and looking at this, look, I'm, I'm just totally amazed, um, and it's like you you like Lego as much as I like baseball. So there is this this there's this deep respect <laughs> right. for for somebody that is so committed to uh, uh, you know to a craft. And uh, I uh, you know this is like this is a museum that uh, that anybody would be lucky to see. <laughs> so yeah, no. So you definitely understand the the hobbyist aspect. So I just um, go, going uh, more for us. So this is a, 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 a topic I addressed in the first episode of my podcast about role models. Um, and I, I, so something that I actually wanted to get your opinion on, because you're someone who's working in public life, right? And you, you're working in politics, so you're, you're working with a lot of people in a lot of different perspectives and places. Um, and so something that I talked about with my, my first guest that I wanted to revisit is this concept of role modeling. So I'm actually someone who, um, 
has a lot of trouble role modeling off of people because I find, uh, and I promise I'm not a nihilist, but I find that in, 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 in <laughs> preface it with that, right? Uh, but uh, I find in some sense, at any point, at any time, any human being can disappoint you. Any person is a person, everyone is flawed sure. in some way, which is fine. You can't expect people to be perfect. Obviously not. But this uh, idolizing and role modeling people, to, to put them on this pedestal of uh, they are above you and you should strive to be like them, something I've always had trouble with. It's essentially why I gravitate towards fiction so much because idolizing Batman is a lot easier than idolizing. Batman's never going to disappoint you. You, know, you, <laughs> you always know Batman is going gonna, is gonna to beat the bad guy, put him in prison, whatever it might be. Same with Luke Skywalker or, or Iron Man, whatever it might be, right? I gravitate, I, I role model off of fiction a lot easier than I do real people because I find it a lot easier to, to model off of these like uh, altruistic caricatures. What what, what what's your opinion on that? You know, what's what's I, your experience? With I, that? I I don't think you're I don't think you're wrong in the sense that uh, you know set yourself up for for disappointment. I certainly you know I certainly don't have role models as uh, as, as as politicians uh, in, in in my life, uh, and inevitably um, I think that. You know, some decisions are hard, and you're not always going to agree. And you've got to you've got to hope that the person has, you know, the the majority of people's best interest. But on the on the role model issue, like I, I look at it more as uh, I, I I have mentors in my life, right. um, and I take you know I've got I've got three mentors that have been my mentors for almost a, a a decade, and I know the strengths and weaknesses of each of them. And I hope that if I could take like a good piece um, and learn a good piece from uh, from from everybody, and you see this from from your teachers in your life there's there's some things that you really gravitate towards there's some things that you identify as hey i don't really want to be that right, right. and it's almost you get you get to create this fictional character of here is the best of uh, of everything and i'm going to try to i'm going to try to model my life on that and i think you know for the for and and from for mine it's 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 my family and and my parents and what they were able to do under the worst uh circumstances and consistently persevere and consistently do things in a way that would ensure that we had the best chance to do whatever we want. There is there is nothing that's ever going to convince me that that is not what I want to do for for my kids. So in terms of you know in terms of uh, of a role model, I think it's uh, you know I I'm I'm lucky to have been raised by uh, by a strong you know by a strong woman um, who uh, who 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 worked hard and uh, and a husband who uh, who supported that. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm so lucky to have that as my as my as my primary role models, and I'm so lucky to be able to pick and choose uh, other pieces from other other people. Even though even though that might be cheating, there isn't one person that I uh, that I think that I want to be like. I want to be the best of, uh, of 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 lots of people in my life. I actually think you hit the nail on the head because I, I for the record, I I don't completely ignore human beings. <laughs> I, um, I I do take aspects of people and apply them to myself in a sense of like there I can name at least ten different people, mostly teachers and professors that. I see this aspect of them like, great, I want to replicate that in myself, but replicating an entire other person is not something I ever want to do. People, I, I bet you, I'm going to interrupt you. I bet yeah, you there's yeah. people listening and there's people listening to this cast right now who, who just, who, who, who think what you're doing right now is something that they want to replicate. That the fact that you're having these conversations, these open conversations where people aren't afraid and people aren't using talking points. They're like, I want to do what Yosef's doing. Um, and so never underestimate the power that right. you have to be somebody else's, you know, tiny role model too. Hey, I'm a capitalist. More competition, <laughs> let's 100%. Anyone wants sure. to start a podcast. Um, but uh, no, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely someone who likes to take different aspects from people. But I think there are others who, who tend to idolize people and fully try to become them, especially in the celebratory sense, yeah, which true. I will never understand because, I mean... You know, uh, someone like, okay, Jake Gyllenhaal is my favorite actor of all time. I like Jake Gyllenhaal a lot. He's in plenty of good movies. For sure. I know nothing about Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> no matter how many movies or maybe some interviews or funny clips that come up here and there, I know nothing about Jake Gyllenhaal because he's a person who lives completely separate mm-hmm. from my life in Hollywood, in a completely other dimension. Right. Right? But there are people among us that believe that they do know fully what's going on in someone else's life and that they should replicate that. And I think that can get really toxic. And I think my my issue is is the fine line between between those two things is the the i, I would say the, the lie that you can fully know a person you don't really know mm-hmm. um and the, the other lie that you can become that person you don't really know For right sure. 
Well, you have the unique ability to understand, you know, the thing that you like about Jake Gyllenhaal in this case is you like his characters. Yeah, you like yeah. the scripts that he reads. You like yeah. the movies that he's cast in and you like the writing around him. Right. Um, like, I'm sure he's a perfectly nice person. Maybe he's a nice guy. Maybe yeah. he's not. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, uh, don't make me think like but that. But yeah, <laughs> but you, you, you have no idea. And I think that part of that is bred by, you know, going back to our conversation of, uh, of social media. And you get to see, you get to see what uh, these people want you to see in terms of their lives. Their activism. Like, yeah, writing, exactly. Yeah. My, you know, my, I, I, I'm on social media, my Instagram. A lot nicer in real life than I am on Twitter, and uh, <laughs> my life looks a lot more put together than it does on uh, than than what I actually portray on Instagram. Like if you just turn the camera around, uh, you see you know you see the laundry and the messy room right, and uh, right. and the undone dishes. You don't see that on Instagram. So there is not a whole lot of reality, and you just gotta you gotta remember. I, I I like this idea of like what if we just asked everybody to to change the background and turn the camera around in your in your room and see what's you know see what's going on. Is the dog barking? Are the kids crying? Are um, that's a and good push, that's actually. a really, uh, you know, that's really what I what I see. And I think I think we've seen that during uh, uh, during this time where we spent an incredible amount of time indoors, in, in, indoors and uh, seeing other people's homes uh, for right. what they really are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I actually, I actually never thought of it that way. Uh, it, it, I, I absolutely know that disconnecting the human element from social media and pushing a certain image sure. is something that most people do. I'm I, for the, I'm very anti that. I'm posting Instagram stories all the time of the new action figures I buy or the Lego set or this podcast, right? Like I'm very unapologetically myself. Um, uh, but even I will hide certain things. You know, I'm not going to my room where the laundry isn't fully exactly. done in the kitchen where things are... Do and, and that's fine. You know, we, we don't have to always... Like, you don't have to share everything. It, right, yeah. We, we don't have to always... Uh, uh, what's the word? Exemplify our, our flaws in every right. in every sense. But yeah, I, I think that's something that people can, can toxically fall into is... Um, this full replication of someone you don't really know. I don't know. It's something I see along with a lot with young people. Anyway, I've, I've um, so I've uh, worked in summer camps uh, most of my life. Uh, I was never actually a counselor. I was a counselor training for a couple of years, but for the past four years, I've worked in a camp called Camp Lubavitch, which I'm sure you've heard of. Uh, Peter Kent actually visited quite a few times, so he would know me as the photographer of Camp Lubavitch. That's who I was for the past four years. Fantastic, amazing job. Uh, best thing in the world. Um, and you see a lot of kids. I mean, we, we, we're with uh, kids age six to twelve, right? right. Um, and and the CIT is a little older than that, who are constantly trying to replicate and be like these people they perceive as almost gods in a certain way, or 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 just you know like oh the, this person uh, from this movie is the coolest person ever, and I want to be just like him. And you know it's cool to have goals and aspirations, and maybe you want to take an element of some mm -hmm. person, but saying that you want to be that person feels a little disconnected right yeah I like that. I think there's a there's a teachable moment uh, there because uh, every every it seems like every celebrity has uh, has has had their fair share of uh, disappointing us in terms of uh, who they they really are and uh, look I, I I do think we need role models um, out there and I, I you know the the measurement of per perfection is 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 one that it's it's hard to attain it's hard to attain it in uh, in the social media like it used to be that you know you didn't have Facebook or Instagram and then when you went into a job interview you actually just got to sit down and talk to someone and they didn't do their research on you beforehand and they didn't look at all of those pictures that maybe you didn't want them to see when you were you know when you were 18 years old and thinking less right. uh, than you are uh, now it's uh, the world's the world's changed uh, forever. Is gone. yeah yeah and uh, you've got to be mindful of that we, we, we've set up such a minefield of how to actually function as a person you know like uh, every Every generation always says that they're the worst generation, often complains about the previous generation, you know, they didn't struggle, but I believe all suffering is relative, personally, <laughs> like, like, everyone has their own struggles, even billionaires, who you think have it all, right. are some of the saddest people on the planet, you know, like, all suffering, all struggle is relative and, and understandable, um, but we are setting up this sort of dangerous minefield for kids, for adults, for even, uh, for young adults and even older adults, of what, what is it actually like to be a person in 2021? Why do you have to have an, a, a dual identity of social media right. and actual humanity? Why can't those be one and the same? And why are we constantly criticizing one of them more than the other? Well, because, I mean, there's there's not much else to do. But, uh, <laughs> but all of that to say is, is, is at some point, like, it, it, it's always a calculation of, of, you know, do the benefits outweigh the uh, the, the negatives? And I, I, you know, I think the answer is is still yes. We're, we're far more connected. We have far more reach. I think, uh, 
you know, I don't, I don't have to go to a library and crack open an encyclopedia and right. look up something, you know, under uh, under a certain letter and know how to and know how to spell it. I have all of that information. You don't need a in montage my, of you going. Yeah, through in my hands. So right? I think you know the the benefit of what this has given us and how much it's opened our our, our minds and opened our, our worlds and has connected us. Like if you think about it, you know, we we talk about this from a very privileged place in Canada, but you know, the opening up of social media and the internet to to people who are struggling under communism in, in Cuba. Right. is something that you know we 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 never thought was possible they now know conceive. yeah they now know what the outside world has to offer and they can demand that of their own governments this is these these are really big changes uh in the world who that affect you know those who are struggling and those who are marginalized a whole lot more in more positive ways so until that you know until that benefit is doesn't outweigh the uh the negative like we're in this like we might as well like dive in and learn how to live with it uh and maybe just you know, take some pause. I spoke to a group last week about spend an hour less on social media and do something that's going to help at least one other person. You'll feel better about yourself. Uh, and if, if that's all that happens, that's fine. And you probably help somebody else in the, in the, in the passing. Like I've done this, I've given myself the challenge. I'm going to spend one hour less, uh, you know, a day snooping through, uh, you know, through Twitter and, and looking at, at, at comments. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to go out and do something decent for someone. I think that's awesome. Um, yeah, you know, you're you're a lot less affected by the negativity bias than I am. I, I will admit, you're talking the real communist conversation. People in communist countries right. can actually have conversations with people in the Western world. For sure. I guess that's something that I'm that it's not in my purview, so it's hard to always conceive of those things. I always just see the most negative sides of social media. I do think there are positive sides to it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but especially studying psychology, and I don't want to sound pretentious when I when I say that. I'm, I'm not a PhD, right? Uh, but but just looking into the subject. I, I am wondering what our brains are going to be like in, in 20 years or 30 years, because our brains are not used to this much exposure uh, for not just blue light, but actual information. Our brains are, are, are in full information overload and have been for the past two decades, right? For sure. As, as these things increase, especially among children, right, who know so many things that they never even need to know as children. Why? Why does your seven-year-old need to have an opinion on Donald Trump? Well, you, your your seven-year-old should have an opinion on what Lego said he wants to buy. You right. know, like, uh, and and obviously, I I, I should have a say in that. But um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and and I so I don't know. I wonder. I I do wonder if it's going to be more positive or, or negative for us in in the future. I can't I can't make that claim. Neither can you. None of us can actually. Yeah, totally no, make that I'm, claim. I'm sure, and I think that part of it is individual. You know, like I think you know, parents should have the ability to 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 parent. The you know, the government shouldn't sort of tell you necessarily what to do and what to look at and uh, and what to see um you know i think parents have a big role in uh in, in in how you know in how children interact with uh uh with the world and i think that it's a very sort of personal decision i think you're going to see uh yeah you know a lot of people affected by this but think about you know potentially how many wars um uh social media can stop like what if you you know you don't have necessarily uh uh you know in in, in parts of the world where they didn't have this before you've got a a malicious uh, a militia uh, uh army coming into your village to ravage it and you were able to be warned by things like social media, things like radio, things like, you know, television. Those are the things that we don't think about and the power of tools like this um, to be able to give people that are, you know, living from, from my perspective, you know, in backwards land, bringing them into what I think is a, is a, is a better life. So. Okay, it's definitely a very positive push for it. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm a glass half full person today. You caught me on a good day. You know, I really try to be. I really do. When you put me in actual situations in life, uh, as in, um, as in, uh, you know, uh, I always like to use examples on uh, my school would go on Shabbatons, which are getaway weekends, right? And say an activity didn't come through that was supposed to be planned. I'm just happy with my friends, you know, sure. I'm happy we can joke about how ah, the bus never came and went this way, that way. That's great. Um, but, but, and I really do try to be that, that person in general of optimism, but sometimes it does, it does get very hard. Um, and like I said, it definitely depends on the day. Uh, sorry, actually, like you said, it definitely depends, <laughs> it definitely depends on the day. Um, but I, yeah, I, it, it is something I try to strive for more in my life, and I'm glad that today at least you're you're fulfilling. So that. we have we have you glass half full and maybe not moving to Florida. Have we gotten there yet? <laughs> wow, this is seriously fundamental change on my, on my character. Um, okay, so uh, with that being said, uh, before we before we close out the show, um, I figured you you might want to. 
tell uh, people who are listening who can't actually vote for you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> why Look, they I, should. I, I think we've had a, a good conversation that spanned a whole bunch of uh, topics. But at the end of the day, um, I am, you know, I am running for elected office in, in Thornhill. We have had a, uh, a wonderful member of parliament here for, for, for 12 years in Peter Kent, who's supporting my uh, candidacy. And I think that this community deserves the strong voice uh, at the table that I am uh, that I'm going to be. I'm uh, I'm young. I'm unapologetic, uh, and I'm I'm not worried about fitting in with the fancy people in uh, in Ottawa. And I will always have the best interests of uh, of this community uh, in uh, you know top of mind. Whether it's uh, you know whether it's the community that I uh, that I come from or all of the other ones that make up uh, this riding. We have we've got. A really, really tough road ahead um, when it comes to uh, to our economy, Bathurst, right? our Always spending. Yeah, it's <laughs> all all of those, you know, all of those issues. And uh, and I think that the way that we've been going over the last five years with the government in Ottawa is not serving the best interests of Canadians. I want to be able to say that this is the best country in the world, and I want to be able, uh, you know, to 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 have people repeat that over and over again. Uh, yeah, evidently you don't strike me as the person who needs to go to the galas and talk like this to get the interest. No, uh, where do I send a check? I'd rather I'd rather do anything else but go to a, a, a gala. Um, right, I we, think. Well, you can't now anyway. So. I, well, that's a that might be the best thing about uh, this pandemic that people are actually helping each other uh, in the community, getting to know their neighbors, and uh, and uh, you know really getting their quote unquote hands dirty. I would rather be uh, packing, you know, packing lunches uh, or, or or baskets for those. Um, you know who are who are less fortunate than uh, than be at a fancy dinner table. Yeah, yeah. If only if only most politicians shared a view on that. Um, okay. All right. Well, with that, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, Melissa. Yeah, thanks this so has much. been amazing. Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me at uh, Melissa Lansman. M e l i s s a l a n t s m a n dot c a. Uh, or I'm on Facebook, uh, and I'm on uh, I'm on Instagram, and it's all under my name. Um, you can you can sign up if you want to help uh, the campaign. We've got we've got a ton of support and a ton of young people. And uh, you know, if you need uh, if you need to do those uh, those hours, there's no better way of uh, oh. of getting those volunteer hours than uh, on a campaign. Nice, nice, um, awesome. Okay, uh, and uh, I would like to mention to my viewers that you can find me. You already know where to find me if you're listening to this podcast. The community conversation is available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Breaker, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, you look it up and you'll find it. Uh, we are also on Instagram, so feel free to follow us on Instagram. The community conversation. I'm uh, posting things here and there, and. Uh, look out for more stuff. Uh, if anyone has any questions or topics they would like me to discuss in future episodes, feel free to DM them to me or leave them uh, in the comments below. Uh, and I want to thank you so much to our sponsors, EV Direct and Custom by Shara. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Melissa. Thanks for having me. And uh, that's the Community Conversation episode 12, closing out. I like to do a snap when it closes out. So three, two, one. There we go. <laughs>